This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 380 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today it is my great honor to conduct the 2020-21 Yellow World Pod Season Awards. We've seen 51 games, 115 goals in a season that started late in September, had no winter break and almost no fans. The Black and Yellows swapped their coaches in the middle of the season, replacing Lucien Favre with Eden Terzic. I don't know how memorable this season will be in 10 years, but certainly it was eventful with the late charge to secure Champions League qualification and the DFB Pokal win. So it is now my great honor to introduce you the jury for today's award show. Matthias Zuck, hello Matthias, how are you doing? It's been a while. It's been quite a while. I think we've all had a few vacations and relaxing times and it is an honor to be here with the honorable Stefan and the honorable <laughs> Lars. <laughs> yes, also here the Honorable Lars Poyman. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Uh, hello Stefan, nobody told me anything about the many vacations we had, uh, <laughs> but I guess one of you must have had multiple because I've had zero. Well, uh, Matthias, where have you been? Oh, the, not too far, just a few hours south in the mountains, along a river for a week with my phone off. So that's yeah, a vacation that's in nice. itself. Well, I had, a, I had a nice trip to Belize, which is really cool. First time I, I went in, in uh, that area. And uh, I must tell you, just flying with the island hopper there, the, the little Cessna plane was uh, basically worth the uh, admission fee. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a destination wedding and it was really beautiful. Uh, I did snorkeling for the first time in my life. It's really cool. And uh uh, but <laughs> we digress. So um, let me just uh, quickly tell you what's going on now. We obviously do this award show once every season and it's always a little bit different because the categories do not come from us, but from our listeners. So they change every now and then and we always have a different outcome. I think last year, uh, Rafael Guerrero won this award. Um, we have 13 categories, which are, some are serious, some are not very serious. And uh, after that, because today is July 1st, and that means uh, the 2021-2022 season sort of officially started today with the uh, introduction of coach Marco Rose and, of course, uh, the breaking news, the ad hoc news that uh, Jaden Sancho will join Manchester City. Manchester United. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll talk about this after our award show briefly because obviously we'll now be back on our weekly grind and uh, next week we'll have uh, uh, all the time in the world to discuss the uh, moves from Tessic to technical director and Michael Zorg retiring and Sebastian Kehl replacing him. Yada yada. And obviously uh, there's a new signing in Gregor Kobel we have to discuss and maybe by next week we'll have a central replacement or something like that lined up. I don't know, but um, I guess now it's time to dive in. And uh, here's the first category. 
And it comes from at Nilohits. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, it's a I'm very I'm so easy glad one. you get to pronounce yeah. the Twitter handles and not any yes. of us. And uh, since you made fun of me, uh, Matthias, you are the first <laughs> to answer that because I okay. feel like this, this uh, is the perfect question for you. Mm. Player with best hair. Ooh, best hair. Um, gosh. I, I appreciate the irony of the way you asked that question towards me in particular. Um, I would have to say I am glad that Mo Dahoud actually had a good hairstyle again because there was a time there where I was questioning a lot of his decisions when it came to that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Mo Dahoud. Yeah, that's also my pick. Lars? Yeah, it's unanimous. All right, three points for the hood. That's a that's a very strong start. The next category comes from Steve Berkowitz, and it's best newcomer, and that can obviously include transfers or homegrown products. I feel like uh, we can uh, sort of uh, morph this into one thing, and uh, I'm gonna go first. I feel like that's really easy um, because uh, to me it's Jude Bellingham. Lars. Thomas Meunier, obviously. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think it's between Bellingham and Mukoko. Uh, obviously, Bellingham had more impact on the team. Mukoko uh, being the youngest ever to do basically I, I, anything in a Dortmund shirt. You can, you can kind get of, half points if you want. Yeah, I'm not about to. Uh, I'm going to give it to Bellingham, but I wanted to give some background, if that's okay, Stefan. Yes, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Okay. Bellingham, one point. <laughs> Matthias, I've, uh, do, do, do you have a, do you have more background on a different player or is it also going to be Bellingham? Since I cut myself short, you can elaborate on that as well then. Well, I mean, I feel like it kind of has to be Bellingham. I mean, he, he had an impact um, for a longer period of time on more games uh, across multiple competitions than Mukoko did, even though, and yes, Mukoko did a lot of things, especially first. I f I'm glad he actually scored a goal in a match that Dortmund won. That was, that was nice. Um, but, I, you know, as far as a young player to come on and actually impress me, uh, Mukoko impressed me, but I kind of was expecting to be impressed. Ansgar Knauf, <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of Dortmund youth football. And I wasn't really sure when he was first thrown on. And every time he came on, he had an impact. He played well, uh, but it's got to be Jude Bellingham. Yeah, I I, th I think uh, there's not much, uh, not, not many ways around that. And if we talk about uh, a lot of firsts that Mokoko had, if I remember correctly, when Bellingham, had, Bellingham eventually scored against Manchester City, I think he became the youngest scorer of the Champions League. Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm 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 not hundred percent certain, but I'm like ninety percent certain because I I think it was said in the highlights that I watched earlier today. But obviously, uh, maybe someone else in the meantime scored that was even younger. But I don't know. Um, so uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham I think is a very solid pick, and I'm really excited to see uh how his trajectory will uh, develop and then go in, in the next season. I I think we'll have a lot of fun with this kid. Um, next question is from... Phrasing, Stefan. What? We're going to have a lot of fun with the kid. Yeah, he's 18. Or... Yeah, he is 18. You're okay. right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next category. And that's from Ed Hunt 
1909 Jordan Hunt and he simply asks for the most improved player. Lars, who is that in your opinion? I think it's another point for Motorhood. Um, I mean, obviously this is kind of a question that depends on your expectation level towards a player and uh, given that Motorhood played really well After the restart last season, when I first dubbed him Lockdown Iniesta, which I'm still quite proud of. Um, I mean, if if we take that into account, then maybe he didn't actually improve too much because he was already very good then. But if we think of like the entirety of a player's time at Dortmund so far, I think we can easily make the case that Dawood... Uh, turned his fortunes around quite a bit. So I'm going to give him the point, but I will also point out that, uh, and that might be a bit strange in a way, uh, Erling Haaland really improved uh, upon his first half season in Dortmund, especially uh, in holder play, uh, play off the ball, even better runs. Uh, so I think even though Haaland came from such a high level, he also deserves at least a mention as an improved player as well. Yeah, I think they're... Uh different arguments to make. I think Dahoud is a really good shout. Um, I think you can even name uh, Morey because uh, when he started the season, he wasn't all too impressive, but uh, until his uh, really unfortunate injury, I, I think he uh, lifted himself to a level that was, uh, you know, it was, it was workable. Uh, before that, uh, I think it was Matthias who said that uh, he was... Uh, in that form, not going to be a Dortmund player for very long. Uh, obviously paraphrasing, but uh, he also improved tremendously. Um, but I'm going to go a, a different route since I, I know you were going to pick the hood and I'm just, uh, for, for the sake of a uh, little bit of uh, diversity in our choices, um, I'm going to give it actually to uh, Lukas Piszczek because I think he, um, throughout the season, also improved tremendously and the way he finished the season... Uh, boy oh boy uh, he really was rock solid and uh, obviously he uh, <laughs> did not improve in, in the sense that he he was never before on that level because he clearly was he there, there was a better version of Lukas Piszczek than uh, before the season but uh, um, yeah I, I really uh, respect uh, the um, performances that, that he showed uh, in, in the final stretch of the season I, I think you can make the Similar case for Marco Royce, but uh, Matthias, I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, decide what, what you want to put there. Yeah, I mean, there are a few people that jump to mind. Um, Modahut, obviously, but as uh, Lars alluded to, he already got there, I feel like, towards the end of last season. Um, Pischek, yeah, uh, I would say I'd give a honorable mention to Thomas Delaney. Even though I don't feel like he improved, I feel like he got, um, uh, basically they found out that he's actually a good player and very important. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Manuel Akanji, um, as most improved player. Uh, now when you look over the entirety of his time at Dortmund, He started really hot. Then he had that hip injury that I would say plagued him for the better part of two seasons. And this season, he, in my opinion, was the most consistently reliable defender Dortmund had. And um, given his pace and his positioning, 
has improved a lot. Um, also, heading of the ball, aerially, he's improved a lot. He's showing a lot of that improvement also right now at the Euros. Big shout out to Switzerland there, of course. So I'm going to go with Manuel Akanji. Fair enough. Next category comes from Steve Berkowitz again. Surprise of the season. Matthias, what's that? Eden Terzic? Does, I mean, to me, that counts as the surprise of the season. Um, because obviously we start the season, um, you know, not a lot of people really know that much about Eden Terzic. And then Favre gets let go. Terzic comes in. It was pretty rocky. A few ups and then again a few more downs. And then it was just an incredibly strong run to finish the season in third in the Bundesliga and winning the DFB Pokal, making it uh, much further in the Champions League than I had expected, given where Dortmund were about uh, the halfway point. So the big surprise for me is Eden Terzic. Fair enough, Lars. Yeah, I'm not going to give this to a person. Uh, rather, I think, uh, as Matthias alluded to, the surprisingly deep Champions League run was not something I thought was possible uh, at, at, at various stages of the season. Um, obviously, with the coaching change, a lot of uncertainty there with Terzic never being a head coach at any level, let alone uh, in the Champions League level. And then getting drawn with uh, Sevilla, who, while on paper, probably were one of the more favorable draws in terms of you know, team quality or whatever. Still a side that just from their makeup, if you like, uh, would give Dortmund problems usually. And I mean, they did to an extent, but getting past them and then giving Man City the best fight they had gotten at that point in the Champions League. Obviously, they lost the final to Chelsea. Uh, not necessarily something I predicted or thought, as I said, was possible at various stages of the season. So Dortmund's Champions League run will get its one and only point, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a really good way to answer the question because... Um to me, the surprise of the season is is really uh, the strong finish um, because I didn't really anticipate Dortmund still finishing in the Champions League ranks, to be honest. And uh, you just alluded to the strong Champions League finish. And uh, these were all sort of in, uh, you know, games every three days and that Dortmund somehow managed uh, to eke out a cup win, eke out a third place finish and, uh, you know, in in that time also really compete well against Manchester City and, you know, were obviously hard done by uh, some refereeing decisions and uh, obviously some, uh, you know, comical uh, Emre Can defending. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that to me, um, that we're now sitting here with... Uh, you know, Champions League football to look forward to for yet another season is, uh, to me, the surprise of the season. Um, probably not uh, had you asked me at the start of the season, but uh, as the season progressed and as Dortmund uh, didn't cover really themselves in glory, uh, that was uh, quite a surprise to me, um, to be honest. So, um, yeah, a very positive one. Uh, does not go to a player, uh, only goes to Tessic. But that is uh, totally fine with me. Uh, the next... Uh, category will definitely go to a player and it's from Eric Raven Fisher and the category is most underrated player and uh, I'll give this one to Manuel Akanji um, because 
I feel like I always forget to rate him appropriately uh, in in my mind. I always see that he has the good performances, but for some reason I just never really uh, write the mental note of how good he is. And uh, sometimes I feel like I do not appreciate the performances of Manuel Akanji enough, uh, also not on, on this podcast. So um, that's maybe a very personal pick, uh, and you guys may have someone else, but... Uh, you know, I, I always catch myself not uh, giving him enough credit. So uh, by that logic, to me, he's the most underrated player. Um, there are obviously other candidates as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's a very uh, subjective category to begin with. So, uh, Matthias, what's yours? I'm going to go with Thomas Delaney. Thomas Delaney? Thomas Delaney. I know that's going to piss one person in particular off on Twitter. Really <laughs> doesn't like him. Uh, but that person really doesn't know what they're talking about. So uh, Thomas Delaney for me is the most... Um, underrated player, what he can bring on a consistent basis. I mean, that's the thing. And technically, you look at someone like Emre Can, who theoretically fulfills the same role. John is technically more gifted, more versatile as far as the positions he can play. But Thomas Delaney is consistently solid and strong. He doesn't have the Emre Can gaffes or over-exuberance, let's call it that. Um... And I just feel like Dortmund are better with him in the side, especially in difficult matches. Lars? I'm almost tempted to go with Mahmoud Dahoud again, because especially in uh, like German media, a lot of people haven't actually realized how good he is and how consistent he's uh, become. There's always that uh, you know, half sentence of uh, if he can produce this level for a continued amount of time or whatever, in terms of you know him being a stalwart for years to come in this Dortmund side, which I think we are now in all uh, now all in agreement that he probably should be. Um, I think you could also make a case, and that might really surprise people for uh, Thomas Meunier because he definitely wasn't as horrendous as people, myself included, like to make out on Twitter. I mean, there were obviously horrendous performances in there, but I would say that his baseline level wasn't, you know, complete, uh, utter disgraceful, whatever. Yeah, I had a similar argument lined up for, for Roman Bürki, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but he lost his starting spot to Marvin Hitz. Like, I don't think you can give him uh, right. points in an award show. Uh, but not. actually, I'm going to I'm going to second uh, Matthias's choice of Thomas Delaney, myself being someone who used to not appreciate him enough. I joked at some point during the season that I found myself and learned to love Thomas Delaney. Uh, and while I wouldn't necessarily put it like that in writing uh, outside of Twitter, I definitely do appreciate now more uh, what he does for the team. And uh want to also point out that he moonlighted at center half in the first <laughs> part of the season when Favre was still manager and they dabbled in the back three a bit and he did surprisingly well there so uh, my point goes to Thomas Delandini very well uh, next category comes from at the Ebner and it is best player in a supporting role let me do this again best player in a supporting role uh, in parentheses it's off the bench super sub um, I don't really have one for this yet, to be honest, because uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I I I need I need more time to ponder 
maybe Knauf, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Matthias, maybe take this one away from me if you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, impact sub. Um, I mean, maybe Mukoko at times. Um, Ansgar Knauf at times. Other than that, people that would come off the bench and consistently lift the team, uh, it's, I can't, I'll be honest, I can't really think of anybody, so I'm just going to go with Ansgar Knauf. Fine. Lars? Yeah, I mean, I would take a mulligan on this, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly a bit uh, surprised, Stefan, that you need more time to think about it because you are the only one who knew about these categories until <laughs> 27 minutes ago. Um, I, I, well, it I seem that, to recall... not that long in advance, to be honest. <laughs> it's not like I, I looked it up yesterday what all the replies were. I, I did like an hour before recording, so I, I, I had a bit Fair more enough. time, but, uh, you know... I mean, uh, twice as much as zero is still zero. Uh, yeah, Knauf is a decent shout, even though, I mean, how many appearances did he even have? Uh, I think Brandt had a few late in the season where he did some good things off the bench. I seem to recall against Leipzig in that 3-2 win, which we right. might hear about later on. Um, yeah, for the sake of variety and not giving uh, Knauf too much credit for so few ap appearances, I'm going to say Mokoko. Fine. Uh, now I have to find him in my little uh, spreadsheet. There he is. And uh, hmm, I, I guess uh, I, I still have to give it to someone. So um, I I actually I'm going to take Julian Brandt because uh, he, he had some really cool moments as a super sub. Uh, which uh, he arguably maybe should have or ought to have had as a starter, but uh, due to uh, the lack of performance, uh, well, um, you know, uh, but let's not dwell on that too long and move on to the next category, uh, which, come from, uh, which comes from Lukas Stoller. And this one is the quote-unquote do-over of the season. If you could go back in time and change one thing, what would it be? For example, firing Favre sooner, playing the hoot sooner, etc. Matthias, what would be your do-over had you, you know, that time capsule? Play Lukas Piszczek much, 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 much sooner because, oh my God, right back, problem. That was the number one area that most teams had their assists come from against Dortmund. So, uh, and once Pishek played, that kind of got shut down. Plus, obviously, he played exceptionally well beyond just the defensive side. So that would be my my do-over. Lars. <laughs> Lars, what? <laughs> 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 Let me just have a little swick of water while you uh, take away the answer here. Um, I mean... I almost think that the season ended in such a way that I don't want to change too much because uh, it was quite a cool story for Terzic uh, to lift into the cup title and for them to make that late run or late charge into the Champions League. So I'm actually going to say uh, protect uh, Matteo Moraes knee from that horrendous injury in, in uh, against Kiel somehow. I think he was only subbed on and then had to come off a few minutes later. So maybe go back in time and say, More, you don't have to play today. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Now, 
Uh, I was about to say something, I'm just not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, if we could prevent all injuries, that'd be uh, perfect. Obviously, the Moray one, the Moray one was, uh, is a really good shout. Now, um, one, one thing, if I could do something over it, it's, it's maybe uh, something that I can't give to any player because, uh, you know, be a fictional player, uh, would be sign another striker. Um, because obviously in the period uh, where Dortmund uh, sort of uh, strolled towards Favre's firing, uh, that coincided with Haaland's injury. And uh, yeah, I, I think Dortmund could have done much, much better had they had a better striker uh, at their disposal. Obviously, um, you know, Tessic, when he took over, he started Mokoko, I think, in that number nine spot. And then at some point uh, he started Tigges. Uh, was it against Braunschweig in the second cup round or something like that? Uh, but my point is I will always remember from the seasons that when we were chasing the game in Munich in the, in the league game uh, that, uh, you know, we brought on after after Haaland, who basically was the only source of danger for us. Uh, he had to come off after like 60 minutes or so, and then we brought in Stefan Tigges, who, I mean is an alright player, I guess, but, you know, you, you just cannot compete against Bayern Munich with a fourth division striker. Let's put it this bluntly, and uh, if I had to change something, it'd probably be that, uh, you know, a, a very easily identified issue which uh, everyone uh, saw happening before their very own eyes before the season. I think even Watzke at some point said that... Uh, was it about the the previous season even that uh, they should have had two strikers and then uh, don't want to make a similar mistake again? So if I had to change something, that's be it. But uh, beyond that, uh, I think since uh, we have hindsight on our side, I, you know, I'm I'm also actually quite happy with the season. You know, also. <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, I'm kind of glad that Dortmund did not win the championship because um, celebrating titles during the pandemic kind of sucks i mean just look at how uh dortmund couldn't really have a big party in the city after winning the cup that's a big dampener obviously so um yeah uh there's that anyway uh moving on uh <laughs> category number eight and it's uh by tim snodden and uh it's a bit of a mean one. Uh, it's uh, best keeper, Lars. Anyone playing Dortmund. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I refuse to give either Marvin Hitz or Roman Bürki a point for uh, yeah, their job-sharing efforts this of season. Of all the keepers who played Dortmund, who was the best? Who had the best uh, outrageous performance? Was it Zentner for Mainz or Gikiewicz for Augsburg? I don't remember that stuff. Fair enough, Matthias. I, you only know that basically every Bundesliga goalkeeper, if you go back a couple of years, one of their best performances will invariably have come against Dortmund. Matthias? Um, <clears throat> I mean, if we take the question at the face value of it, for me, it is 100% Roman Bürki. He's a better keeper than Marvin Hitz, but I've said that until I've been blue in the face on the podcast, on Twitter, and anywhere where people will let me speak. Um, but as far as uh, keeper against Dortmund, there there were quite a few. For some reason, I have uh, Robin Zentner sticking out in my mind. 
Um, he had a few crazy saves for Mines in a game that that Dalton really did dominate. Um, but yeah, but taking the question again, I know it's a little bit tongue in cheek to a degree, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. But uh, if we're we're uh, looking at which <laughs> Dalton goalkeeper is the better goalkeeper than it's Holman Bjorki. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> I. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of split <laughs> on on this. I don't really, I don't really have a keeper to me that was better than the other because uh, I I'm okay with Marvin Hitz's performance. I thought Roman Bürki, uh not his best season, but he did have a lot of good saves as well. Um, so yeah, I'm actually just going to withhold this award entirely. So uh, Matthias, you get uh, your number one point for Roman Bürki, and I think. This is uh, just where we move on to. And that's a more of a fun one. Uh, and uh, it's the Schmelle goal of the season. Uh, it's uh, by Ed Bosch for lunch. And he wants basically to know the goal that brought you the most joy. And before anyone says anything. <laughs> so Lars, now that you had about two seconds to think about this. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, which uh, goal is in your memory that still pulls on your heartstrings? Uh, shockingly, I'm going with, I think, uh, whichever came first of the hood against Sevilla and Bielefeld. I, th I think it must have been Sevilla. But okay. for him to finally land one of his like mid-range shots, my po possibly my favorite player to finally have that positive experience again after uh, a fairly long wait uh yeah one of these the hoot goals whichever came first okay uh matthias i would have to say the one that pulled my heartstrings the most was obviously uh mukoko's first senior team goal uh that Against was who? I uh it was a losing Union. effort. Union Berlin. It was Come the on, equalizer. It was <laughs> we're we're it testing was, yes. here whether he actually it's, knows. But yeah, it's, is, it's it's so sad that all of Makuku's great moments in quotation marks sort of came and in, came in, in draws and losses, yeah. if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did score one in a match that Dortmund won, I believe. But uh, the Union Berlin one, uh, and it was one heck of a strike too on top of it. So that that would be the one. Well, I agree with all of you, but uh, I'm going to have a third choice now, and that's Felix Paslak. Uh, I don't even remember against who it was. might have been Freiburg or so, when uh, Haaland yeah. was sort of free on goal and just squared it over to him. And Paslak, after, what, like two or three years on loan or however long it was, uh, you know, having having this, uh, even if it was a tap-in, it was just uh, still a very joyous moment. And so uh, I'm going to give it to him. Um, and <laughs> with that, we'll, uh, you know, go to a bit uh, darker category, I guess. And that's from Dela Andrew at Everything Soccer. It's the miss of the season. Lars, what's the miss of the season? Can go abstract here too, if you want. I think I'm going to have to because I don't remember any glaring misses. I'm sure... Uh Holland missed a sitter here and there. I mean, that comes with the territory of being Hazard a striker. Cup final, Julian Brandt against Leverkusen, uh, like the top two of my head. Okay. Don't <laughs> remember either one, obviously. Uh, can someone else go first? 
All right. I'm I, actually, gonna... I actually have one. I have one. Okay. But Stefan, you said you have one. You go. Okay. Well, see, it's not really a miss miss because it's it's uh, whatever. But uh, I I I would give this uh, to Thomas Meunier, uh, Byron game when he no. Made... Yeah. <laughs> that was gonna be my pick. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, you you go then. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. You I mean, have the, you have Thomas Meunier gets voice, two points. So you, you no, I mean that was to me that was the turning point in that game. Uh, against Bayern, you know, I mean, Thomas Meunier through, if he would have just composed himself a little bit, you know, I think then Dortmund go on to absolutely win that match. And unfortunately, that was not the case. <laughs> All right, Thomas Meunier earning himself two points here. <laughs> we could, we could, we could make it minus points if you want, Matthias. I'll, I'll let that up to you. Oh, no, let's give him the points, because like Lars said, I think he gets a little bit too much shtick from people. All right, Lars, have you thought of a miss of the season yet? Um, I seem to recall Holland smashing uh, a penalty on the crossbar so hard that the goalposts almost broke. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's like Against gaslighting myself, but it did happen, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, Was it so against that, Cologne or something? You know how bad my recourse is. We're so well-prepared. And it's five weeks crazy. ago. I mean, just give me one point for Harlan and move it on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Oh, God. I can't even find him on my spreadsheet now. Great. Anyway, uh, let's move on because this is getting almost tedious here. Um, and that's the category where I'm uh, very ill-prepared yet again, uh, but I think I have an answer. Anyway, uh, that category does not come from anyone because it's just our standard category. Uh, and that's uh, assist of the season. Lars, since you, you your memory is dwindling with, the, with every second, you go first. Uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to rig this vote uh, in Mahmoud Dawood's favor, even if that might like seem that way. But I'm going to give him the point for the ground ball assist. I don't even know if that's counted as an assist in every set, uh, uh, like stat collecting side uh, against Wolfsburg for Haaland's, I think, second goal. Uh, where he picked off a wayward pass by uh, John Brooks. Uh, and released Haaland with a ground ball. Uh, Haaland's first touch came uh, right after the halfway line and he scored from the edge of the box. So obviously he had to run like, I don't know how long that pitch is, but, you know, 40 yards or whatever or 35 yards. But still, if that is counted as an assist, uh, I will give this point to Mahmoud Daoud again. Well, that's unfortunate because I exactly the same play. Uh, my my alternative pick would be Julian Brandt against Hertha, also to Haaland. I think that was a no-look pass into the box uh, where he perfectly timed it. But obviously, uh, yeah, it's it, it must be that Dahoud ball uh, also because uh, that, you know, Dortmund would have beaten Hertha that afternoon or, or evening or whenever it was... Uh, with or without that Brandt assist, but uh, Dortmund against Wolfsburg, they were down to 10. And, uh, you know, obviously, in hindsight, Wolfsburg weren't really threatening all game, but, uh, you know, get, getting that uh, second goal uh, was obviously a big deal. And I think that uh, 
that win those three points uh, made a huge difference in Dortmund's uh, pursuit of the Champions League spots and maybe also their ability to still believe in it. So I'm also going to uh, give it to Dahoud uh, and, and this ball because it was also a really outrageous pass, even though he sort of just, you know, pass it vertically forward. But that's how it goes. Matthias, do you have a different? Nope. <sighs> no different. <laughs> three points to Dahoud. All right, so um, uh, and now it's time for goal of the season. Ding, <laughs> Matthias, you go first. Oh well, I mean there were quite a few. I'm thinking Sancho one nil against Leipzig, just because the entire team move and play and Royce's little flick to to system. But to me, the goal that kind of one that truly stands out is. Erling Holland 2-0 scissor kick volley goal against Schalke 04 second Bundesliga side Schalke 04 <laughs> Lars Yeah uh, just really quick I think CNN has called the race for Mahmoud Dahoud uh, but I'm also going to go obviously with that Haaland goal <laughs> well, let's uh, move over to Steve Kornacki at the big board and see what he's saying. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Haaland against Schalke uh, takes the cake for everyone here. Uh, that was just outrageous. So, um, you know, I I was really torn also between the, the Hood against Sevilla goal. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That's uh, obviously an, a, f a fantastic goal. Now, obviously, uh, I said at the intro there was going to be 13 categories, but uh, I was wrong. One category just <laughs> skipped over to the next page in my Google Doc. So here we go, the last category, and maybe the all-deciding one we will find out. And that's the player of the season. So, Lars, who to you is the player of the season? be it on merits, performance-wise, or because he's your favorite, or whatever, just say the name. Do I only get the name, or can I explain no, myself? No, you can obviously explain it. Thank you. Um, I want to give this, obviously, to Mahmoud Dahoud on balance of all the awards today. Um, but I think, given that he was sparingly used for too many parts of the season, that would kind of feel wrong in a way, even though this is obviously of no importance whatsoever to anyone. Uh, I think you could make the case for quite a few players, but uh, most of them lack that bit of consistency. Uh, for example, Jaden Sancho didn't score his first goal uh, until the turn of the year, I think, uh, at least in the Bundesliga. Yeah, uh, it was Marco actually against Wolfs Wolfsburg, the 2-0 uh, the in stoppage time in the... In the uh Home match. Uh, yeah, Marco Reus uh, wasn't really all that in the first, uh, I don't know, two-thirds two of the season al almost, yeah. Um, Akanji really came on late. Uh, Hummels, yeah, standard season for him, I mean. Uh, high standard, but still. So I think on balance of everything, I kind of think you have to go with Erling Haaland just because... Without him, they'd be absolutely nowhere. And I don't think you can say the same about anyone else apart maybe uh, of Mats Hummels. So Erling Haaland. Yeah, I think if I see this 41 goal number in 51 games and he didn't even play in every game, uh, 
sort of stands out and uh, yeah uh, I mean there, there there are other players I would like to pick but I feel like um just the the sheer quality of Erling Haaland and the phenom if you will that he is to me that's uh, also the pick I will have to go with or I I I sound like I'm picking him against my my own will, but obviously I, I I'm I'm a big fan of Erling Haaland and uh, I like to give him this. So uh, there you go, uh, Matthias. Do you have another pick? Well, I mean, I kind of went through the same thought process as last. <laughs> there, you know, this guy, that guy, and so on. Um, you know, as far as consistency overall, you know, I'd, I'd look at Mats Hummels in that category. Um, probably Nico Schulz as well. But when it really comes down to it, it has to be Erling Holland. Because if you look at, you know, best player, most valuable player, if you just break it down into that MVP type, of category as who is the most valuable to the team who if you take him out of the squad and put somebody else in there dramatically changes the outcome for the team it's got to be Holland. there's just nobody else i mean if you look at peak Lewandowski, peak Aubameyang, you know those are just difference makers but holland i almost feel like He's the closest to a Lewandowski difference maker that Dortmund have had. I mean, Aubameyang just missed way too many good chances. Um, plus, kind of a prick. But uh, the, the Holland, it can only be him. That's the statistic you said of forty-one goals in fifty-one games. Even though you know, obviously, he wasn't, uh, he didn't play in all of them. That's just insane. That's and and he's young and he's going to get better and he has. So many areas he can improve on heading, which is so weird given his size and power. Uh, if he gets that done, I mean, greatest striker of all time could come from Norway. So it's got to be Holland. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that analysis. Even though I, I, I recall one really good header was it against Leipzig where Dortmund had a really awesome combination on the left side of the box, and then you have this lob to the other end of the far post, and he just like heads it over Leipzig defender. I think that was a really cool goal. I think that was in the in the game in Leipzig. Um, so yeah, uh, Erling Haaland, uh, I think unanimous. For us, uh, the player of the season. However, as Lars already alluded to, he is not the winner of the Yellow Warpot Season Award because the winner is. All right, that triple ding didn't <laughs> come off as I wanted to. Uh, the winner is Mahmoud Ahoud, and uh, as I said, the beauty uh, is correct because. Uh, if it weren't for the first question and the player with the best hair, it probably would have not been Dahoud because then it would have been Haaland with seven points, but it's Dahoud with eight. And uh, he, you know, <laughs> sat at the top of the table very early on uh, with, uh, you know, the three points for, for best hair. Um, I don't know, maybe some people would pick Witzel, but uh, I, I'm I'm in the, the Hood camp as well. So Moda Hood, I think that's a very... Um, uh, deserved award as well. Um, I'm I'm very glad with the season he's had, and uh, I'm very curious to see how he will develop under Rose and how he will fare when fans are actually back in the sense as you last dubbed him lockdown in Yester. So um, yeah, obviously um, exciting. Uh, he has been uh, a player that's been around for many years. I feel like. Uh, 
for for too long it was like he's just sticking around because Dortmund have paid him so much money that uh, he didn't want to uh, you know go elsewhere but uh, you know he's uh, stuck around and uh, at some point came through with his quality and made a big difference for Dortmund and uh, I think we're all happy for him because he's a very likable guy um Lars, what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, <laughs> on the Yellow Report Season Awards winner, Moda Hood? What's your top line reaction? Well, first of all, uh, I basically decided this myself because I was the difference maker. <laughs> uh, I feel a tremendous amount of pride in that. I don't know if I believe in democracy anymore, but I do believe in the Yellow Report Season Awards. So obviously, this was the perfect choice. <laughs> <laughs> Mitias, uh from uh, Juro to Pandit immediately uh, your reaction to this uh, award and how it went are you happy with our picks yeah no I think uh, the real winner of course for uh, Mudahut getting this is of course me because uh, I criticized him so heavily for so long and that motivated him intrinsically even though he obviously doesn't know it Uh, it somehow subconsciously through the ether got to him and he went, wait, the yellow wall was critical of me. I actually have to play well now. And I do also take credit for Moray. So humble as always, Stefan. <laughs> All right. That concludes the Yellow Report Season Awards. And now it's time to switch over uh, to the actuality of uh, the July 1st that we're having right now on this rainy Thursday in Philadelphia. And, uh, so Dortmund did introduce their no their no their new coach uh, for the season. Not many surprises there. Marco Rose coming in. Uh, Lars, I assume you've seen the first news conference with him and Aki Watzke and Michael Zorc, uh Just for I don't know however long you want to answer this. Uh, give me your uh, reaction slash comments of that news conference. Maybe summarize what he said for people that don't know uh, and then I'll give it over to Matthias. Uh, well, I'm definitely not going to summarize a 35-minute news conference uh, for our listeners who can just, just tidbits, go Lars. to tw twitter.com slash blackyellow is, I think, the English account, which live-tweeted a few of the things he said. Uh, I will make more general observations, the first of which he still is a handsome devil and looks good in black and yellow. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, yeah, I think he was well prepared, seemed very relaxed uh, at home in that kind of environment, which isn't the case for everyone. I think if we think back to the unveiling of Lucien Favre, that was a bit of a cringe fest, especially the interview afterwards with uh, Nobby Dickel, who, I mean, every interview with Nobby Dickel is awkward because he's not like good at his job or anything in, in outside of being a club legend and, and uh, the hero of a cup win uh, 32 years ago. Um, also, Peter Bosch's unveiling, you kind of felt right then and there that he wasn't actually the first choice and definitely not getting this feeling with Rose. I, I, mean, also, I also recall a very awkward Nobby Dickel Peter Bosch interview. So <laughs> I think the only case one... Case in point. Yeah, I think the only one who, who actually nailed it And and I hope I'm not making this up in in in, in my uh, weird mind is Peter Stöger. I feel like when he talked to Dickel, that was actually watchable. No, I think Tuchel did well as well. Um, 
yeah so uh, i mean uh, vatske always looks gloomy and he looked super tired so i'm assuming they had long discussions about sancho last night or something like that uh so you know if if because he's the boss of the the whole ship uh vatske getting like the first crack at introducing a new head coach is always a bit uh like low toned and dull but as soon as Rose took over and, and kind of talked freely, I think he was eloquent. He was, as I said, well prepared. Cracked a few jokes uh, with the media members present. Uh, gave engaging answers, which again, people can just read up instead of me trying to recall something from like 11 hours ago now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the first... Uh, piece of info we get on on a new head coach or uh, a new man in charge in whatever capacity so it's not like there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know gets thrown around and is super newsworthy but I think it's more about the first impression they give off and he definitely gives off the the right kind of impression that I want from uh, the new Dortmund manager Matthias? Yeah, I mean, he he seemed right at home. Um, I mean, they they you know he mentioned a few basic things tactically speaking. I don't know if that's something you want to get into here. Uh, I d I did chuckle at your tweet about uh, did Rosa just mention two strikers with Sox sitting in the same room? Um, brave man, uh, and you know my big takeaway from that uh, aside from him, you know feeling pretty at ease there. And I think the the move he made from Salzburg to Gladbach and then to Dortmund, it's kind of the right level of trajectory when it comes to ease of pressure because it builds every single step of the way. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, his family, his wife and his daughter will still be living in Leipzig, so he's going to go back and forth. That's always, I feel, I mean, it can work. It's his personal choice. I understand it. Um, I think that's, as someone who has worked remotely from my family, that is not easy. So hopefully that doesn't mean one day he's going to work in Leipzig. <clears throat> and uh, beyond that, when they did talk about tactics briefly and what formation, Grundordnung, uh, what formation he is going to play, you know, I mean, he kind of deflected and said, you know, the, the formation isn't that important. We want to be flexible and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, he, he did mention two strikers and we all know that's, that's something he's favored in the past and had a lot of success with, uh, especially at Salzburg. And then, uh, he said, yeah, you know, and, you know, like under Eden, you know, four, three, three, four, two, three, one, you know, that's something that, that'll be there too. So you can kind of see where diamond. he went. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And then the diamond, of course. And so you could kind of see where he's leaning towards, um, and that could also, you know, bleed into your your obvious next question, which will then go into the Sancho thing is, does Dortmund then even need a replacement for Sancho if you're going to play a 4-4-2 diamond system? Uh, but there are players that under him will benefit from it. I'm looking at Julian Brandt. I think this could be his chance to really showcase again uh, the Julian Brandt that we once knew. Uh, but... Yeah, it, I was good. It was good to see, and I agree with Lars. He looks good in black and yellow. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of funny when he cracked a couple of jokes and uh, it was a little dorky. However, I, I also felt like that no one next to him or in front of him really responded. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it, it was, uh, <laughs> I, I can really identify with that uh, because uh, very rarely anyone laughs at my jokes, uh, apart from myself, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was a, you know, very serene sitting, if you will. Um, is this the most euphoric I've ever been about to coach? Obviously, no. Um, also a bit dampened by the gloomy face of Watzke. He really looked like uh, he was not happy. And he obviously, uh, you know, uh, talked about Sancho. I, I think he said something along the lines of uh, he's, you know, uh, not happy or sad about the money because he rather would have kept him but uh, obviously the deal is not yet finalized but uh, you know it's it's down to Jane Sancho now being uh, still at the Euros and uh, in the quote-unquote bubble and uh, you know he still has to pass a medical with Manchester United but um, yeah I mean the the transfer fee Dortmund said is 85 million and they said that there's still something to deal with the uh, previous club I think that uh, uh, means Manchester City and that at the end of the day Dortmund will have 56 million euros uh, on their side if if I read this little statement correctly Lars, uh, obviously, the first question that I've been asked, uh, I will pass it over to you. Do you think uh, that amount of money uh, is enough for a player of Jaden Sancho's quality? Uh, first of all, a slight correction. Um, I knew the it. fixed transfer fee is 85 million, yes. There's also uh, expected to be some bonuses involved and there's been reporting that those are easily achievable so presumably it's somewhat similar to some of the uh, escalators if you like in the Dembele deal so if Sancho for example qualifies for the Champions League next season with United uh, having played I don't know 20 uh, competitive fixtures or whatever it's going to be another couple of million or whatever so ultimately I think this is going to come in at a shade under a hundred million and the 56 that didn't have anything to do uh, 56 million had, didn't have anything to do with the Sancho transfer fee it was about uh, their books in general I don't necessarily remember oh, all the right, details right, right. but yeah, didn't I, I have just, anything I just read it again yes yeah so um, is it enough for Sancho I mean, in a vacuum, obviously it isn't because he's been, I would say you could confidently make the argument that he's been the best attacking player in the Bundesliga over the last four years or last three years in particular uh, after Robert Lewandowski of Bayern. I think obviously, uh, you know, if, if you made the argument for Thomas Müller, you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. But I think that's the kind of player we are talking about. So in a, in a vacuum, you would say... Uh, him going for much cheaper than what Dembele ultimately end up costing Barcelona or some of these other players. Uh, I mean, Jack Grealish is possibly moving for much more uh, intra-Premier League despite playing for a smaller club than Dortmund and not having any Champions League experience with Aston Villa. But I think it's not necessarily the right way to look at it. Um, first of all, you have to remember that this is still a covid market for Dortmund and when they didn't let go of Sancho last season they weren't expecting uh, 
uh, a season basically without fans and without the millions of income that comes with it for a club with this massive a stadium. I mean, that is a huge factor for uh, basically everything they do and having an empty stadium for, uh, I don't know, 30 or so matches uh, takes its toll. So that's one thing to look at. And then also, uh, I think, and this is something that Watzke mentioned explicitly, uh, Sancho wanted this move. Uh, he wanted to go to Manchester United, not to move in general. And, and let's see where we end up. No, he, he asked for this move. And after being denied the move last season, he didn't pout, he didn't go on strike, he didn't pull a Dembele slash Aubameyang move. He, I mean, he did have a few uh, weeks in which it was quite apparent that, you know, not getting the move worked his mind a bit, but he still, uh, I mean, we talked about how great he was basically from early January forwards and, and he really was so vital in winning the cup, uh, the first Uh, major trophy in four years and, and also getting into the Champions League so it makes sense for Dortmund to look at it in the sense of getting the same amount of money basically that United offered them last season so it's a dumb argument to say they didn't get 120 for him last season, nobody offered that um, plus getting one more year out of him and having a at the end of the day really good season uh, in large part thanks to him so I think if we take all these factors into account uh, he deserved the chance to get his wish and Dortmund were somewhat fairly compensated even though again in 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 a vacuum and in different years they undoubtedly would have gotten a lot more for him yeah I think a realistic fee given the performances we have seen in the so-called vacuum as you said I, I think we're maybe in the 150 to 200 million corridor maybe that's a little high but I also think he's really good and he's really young and uh, you know at least in my mind uh, there should be a lot of clubs lined up but uh, yeah he obviously requested that transfer as uh, as he just said and uh, Dortmund sort of obliged I don't know how much uh, that factored into the poker between the two clubs um, before I ask Matthias about this opinion there's just one thing I, I want to say and it's that I'm really grateful uh, for the time we've had with Jane Sancho I think especially in the last season he really matured uh, as a player um, obviously already in, in, in the season before uh, he was outspoken you know in in uh, terms of social justice he had this uh, justice for George Floyd shirt but also in, in general I, I think uh, you could feel in the end that there was a genuine love for Borussia Dortmund obviously not big enough uh for him to to sort of commit on an even longer term but uh I I think as far as uh young players coming to Dortmund to make the next step um Dortmund obviously really hit the jackpot there um really nice chap and uh yeah I'm I'm just very grateful for the development as a footballer and as a person and that we were there to witness it. I got it to witness it a little, a little closer than other people because back in the day, I was still working for ESPN, so I got to see him in person uh, on a regular, and that's uh, obviously even more fun. As I always like to say, if you can watch it in the stadium, uh, you, you see the skill sometimes a little bit better than uh, on, on TV because in, in real time, it's just maybe even a bit more ridiculous sometimes. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, As, as hard as it is to see him leave to Manchester United, I think uh, we can all be very happy with uh, 
the fact that uh, we even had had this amazing player to enjoy so um yeah i'm i'm hoping and looking forward to the next uh, gem that dortmund will uh unearth somehow from somewhere i'm sure there are uh, more talented teenagers uh waiting for dortmund to uh, sign them i mean we've just have jude bellingham uh who obviously is another really great prospect um matthias your thoughts on Jaden Sancho moving to Manchester United for about 85 million plus. Well, I think financially, um, you know, uh, Lars said everything there, and as you did as well, you know, it, it makes sense now. Uh, I think Jaden Sancho uh, is disappointed that he didn't go last season, but I think he understood, given just everything that was happening um, with the pandemic and so on getting one more season out of him that was this good and him leaving on a high. I mean, no, they didn't win the Bundesliga title. They didn't win the Champions League, but they did win the DFB Pokal um, in a convincing fashion under a coach. You could tell really cared about the players and cared about Jaden Sancho. And I think Jaden Sancho cared about him as well. He identified with the club and I, and you know, we, we had some great years with him. Uh, best year's, logically are still ahead of him given his age and the normal development cycle of a player. And I wish him the best ish of luck <laughs> at Manchester United um, as a, as a Tottenham guy. But I, I do have some concerns. Uh, I think, I don't think he'll have it as good in England as he did in Dortmund, as far as treatment and food, lifestyle, <laughs> pressure, um, abuse, You know, that's going to be a thing. He's going to have to go to Chelsea twice a year or once a year um, and and face off his, his original parent club, Manchester City. So in the fact that, you know, he's at the Euros now after an, another amazing season for Dortmund at the highest level, doing it in the Champions League, in the Bundesliga, winning a cup with them. And not getting ahead of Jack Grealish from Aston Villa or Bakari Saka from Arsenal. I'm sorry, England, you have an idiot as a coach. I do not like Garrett Southgate as a coach. And, and not playing Jadon Sancho, it just is, is insane to me. And that's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's like this Premier League bias that plays in there. And that that obviously plays also into Jadon Sancho's want and desire to move back to England so he can play for England. Um, I, I'm just, I'm a little concerned that, uh, you know, he won't be given any time. There will be an immediate high, ultra high expectations. And we know, and we criticize German media landscape, but German media landscape is like a preschool kindergarten teacher compared to the media landscape in England. Uh, especially when it comes to the tabloids who just look at the treatment of Raheem Sterling, you know, versus someone that's, you know, like a Jack Grealish. And, and I'll just leave it unsaid there. I think people know what I'm getting at here. And so Jaden Sancho, I wish you really the best of luck. You deserve to have success, uh, except twice a year when you play against Tottenham. Uh, and I, I really hope he gets treated respectfully and I'm just, just a little bit concerned. That's all. Yeah. I, I think one point I, I wanted to make that sort of, you know, burning on my fingertips the entire time is that I am really annoyed with, uh, the fact that he has not really been picked by Southgate. 
because uh, on on a more general point, I just think it's a big disservice to the Bundesliga and and other international leagues because I feel like it it can be discouraging for young English talent to to move abroad because uh, if you look at what Sancho did uh, at, at Dortmund and still not get picked, you know, not even be an automatic starter. I don't know if he was injured or anything, but you know that's. That's just really odd, and uh, I don't know if there's a Premier League bias on, or whether that's a j very individual case because Bellingham did get to play every now and then, but nevertheless, uh, it, it's peeving me. Just uh, as as the matter is, uh, Lars, if you have a final thought on that, please go ahead. If not, we can also just knock it on the head here. I mean, do we want to get into replacements uh, at all? Yeah, if you have one, go ahead. I don't. I don't have any one in the top of my head because I've not been watching football apart from the Euros, and uh, I've. You, you know me. I don't concern myself with transfers almost up until they happen. And uh, if I mean you want to, you can get into it. But also, there's an episode next week where we can talk about it more widely. But if you want to uh, mention or drop a couple names, be my guest. Yeah, I mean. Uh Basically, everybody who does concern themselves with transfer, Stefan, already knows that it looks fairly likely. And that's also what you are hearing behind the scenes, if you like. Not that I'm necessarily behind the scenes all the time. ITK uh, it's Yeah, I'm not a former Spielverlagerung author who sometimes comes onto this show. I don't have that kind of access. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's pretty apparent that they really, really like... Uh, Daniel Marlen of uh, PSV in the Dutch Eredivisie, which, I mean, in itself, that kind of scares people because a lot of uh, exports from that league don't do too well. But <laughs> I think Bosch. if... <laughs> I mean, he got a nice nice job at uh, Olympique Lyon. So, I mean, if I if I had to choose someone else's life, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to having Peter Bosch's life, even though he is bald. Um, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> a lot just, of people. Uh, I, I wish I had facial expressions here. Bald is beautiful, Lars. Bald is beautiful. Yeah, for, for some people, sure. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't work for me. Well, um, not not yet, anyway. You, you're very bald um, in this profile picture here, though, with us. That's a bus cut. I, I, <laughs> I know, keep but saying, people, it's people the lighting. It does, I, I had I, I I had to change my we, Twitter we had profile this picture as well once before. We had we this did. conversation. Yeah, that once was the before. only time Lars actually uh, switched the <laughs> webcam on to prove that he in fact is not bald. <laughs> not even close to being bald. Like anyway, if you watch the Euros, uh, <laughs> when this episode Daniel started Marlin, with hair, it might as well end with hair. Anyway, yeah, okay. yes, Marlin, I mean, sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, if you watch the Euros, you see, uh, you, you you saw rather uh, that he and Memphis uh, were really, yeah. He doesn't like being called his last name oh, because of his father. Um, that that they two, uh, them two, harmonize really well, and you could kind of see him uh, speaking of Marlon really working well together with. Uh, Holland in that presumable or presumptive two-striker formation. I think it would be quite smart not to try and replace what Sancho does in terms of signing another, you know, like dribbly winger because you're just going to end up with a much worse version of that. So it would make sense, in my opinion, to go for someone like Marlon, uh, who is a bit of a different player, but could conceivably have 
a somewhat similar output in terms of like goal involvements and especially if they change around the, the style of play a little bit and do opt for uh, a scheme in which two strikerish players can work together i think that would make a lot of sense and obviously there's a lot of talk about it so uh, i wouldn't necessarily be shocked if by next week's transfer show if we want to call it that uh, that's not necessarily done already because he's uh, still in post-euro vacation but if if we got wind of that being close to happening by then all right matthias do you have anything another name or anything to say about malin or i'm gonna be out of here no, I think that makes sense, Bring in Malin. And, you know, it's not like Dortmund don't already have some quality wingers. I mean, you look at, yes, none of them are Sancho, but you know, you've got Hazard, you've got Reyna, you've got Knauf, you've got Royce. I mean, it's not necessarily an area in the team that I would invest all, you know, a ton of money into right now. You know, bring in that second striker because it'll fit Rose's ideal system. And then look at what you're going to do in the fullback positions and central defense. Um, you've already got your keeper sorted. So I, w I personally wouldn't want to see them invest a ton of money in, in a Sancho-like replacement on the wing. All right. Uh, that's, I guess, it then. Uh, me, your confused but not bald host, <laughs> will sign off. Uh, Lars, as always, it was a pleasure to have you on. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me, but not my profile picture that makes it seem like I am bald, which I am not. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, at Lars Polman, they can see a nice picture of my very hairy dog. Matthias? I don't even know how to follow that up. Um, <laughs> I don't know, with a slightly uh, I, less hairy dog? Don't you have yeah, cats too? Yeah, I wasn't expecting after... Anyway... Um, you can find me on, twi on Twitter at Matthias wearing a hat. Very nice. I, 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 you, I, I thought it was bold and beautiful. Yet you cover it up, Matthias. What's going it's on? It's cold. Now? It's cold. Okay, I'm, I'm pragmatic. Fine, but wouldn't a beanie make more sense? No, because <laughs> I'm not twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still wearing beanies and I'm in my 30s. I don't know what, what you're trying to say here, Matthias. But anyway, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter as well, at Stefan Butzko. Uh, no headwear, but a full head of hair still. Uh, keeping my fingers crossed here. And uh, that's it for this week. We shall be back next week. In the meantime, you can go to at Yellowwallpod on Twitter or Facebook and give us a follow. You can go to our YouTube channel. Just type in the Yellow Wall or Yellow Wallpod and subscribe to our channel. Please do that. And otherwise, subscribe to us in the various means via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, blah etc <laughs> and uh, yeah uh, it, it was it was really fun to do this again after a month off and some vacation in between not you last so um yeah uh, until next week uh, stay safe as always uh, thank you for listening and good <laughs>